0: to Dear Hank and John. Or, as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. Sorry, I had myself muted. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's gonna know it's real. Uh, hello, <laughs> and welcome to Dear Hank and John. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, yes. my book's coming out. My book's coming out. I know. And a bunch of people have been asking me, Hank, why is this one longer than the first one? And I, you know... It's a long story. (laughs) That was pretty funny. But I might have only laughed at it because I am in an exceptionally good mood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, That's great to hear. Um, That's not usually how we start our podcasts off. Um, And so I know that there's probably something unusual happening either in your life or in the world. Yeah. So I feel like we do need to just acknowledge the elephant in the room, or I guess more specifically, the elephant in my room, which is that (laughs) as we are recording this live for VidCon now. Manchester City are playing Chelsea in front of no fans in the Premier League. Uh, And if Manchester City don't win, Liverpool Football Club will win their first league title in 30 years. This is a very, very, (laughs) very, very big deal for me. It goes, if you don't mind, a little bit of backstory. Oh, gosh. Well, Okay, we'll do it. And then we'll tell everybody that this episode is weird. But you do that first. It's not weird. It's a totally normal episode. When I was 12 years old, I was on my middle school soccer team. I wasn't the best player, but I was the worst player. (laughs) We were not a good team. At all. We did not win many games that season, but we did have one very, very good player. His name was James, and he was very, very good because he was from England, mm. which in Orlando, Florida at the time automatically made you the best soccer player <laughs> in the state. <laughs> yeah. And J- it was through James that I learned that football was, like, a profession for some people, Mm -hmm, but, like, it existed as a pro sport. And it was also through James that I learned about Liverpool Football Club, and it just happened to be that season that Liverpool won the title. And I was like, I think I'll hop on this bandwagon. (laughs) (laughs) How's the last uh, couple decades been? 30 years later, (laughs) it's finally paying off. (laughs) So a team that isn't Liverpool has to lose in order for you to get the title, and that's going to happen in the next hour or so, or tie. Oh wow, a tie would also be fine. That's great. It's been a long, strange journey this season, obviously. Um, and uh, but but yeah. I'll, oh my gosh, it's hard not to think about. Let's answer some questions from our well, listeners. Well, we can't. We can't. So first of all, I've got one thing I have to say, which is that I wanted to look up the mascot of Liverpool Football Club so that I could say instead of the elephant in the room, the name of the mascot. But the problem is the mascot of Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club is the liver bird? Yeah, it's, it's the liver bird. Well, I'm not going to say the liver bird in the room. I'm just not going to. And second, this is being recorded live during VidCon Now, the distributed VidCon that is occurring all across the world. VidCon Now has a bunch of events that are happening. A- and this is one of them, but they will continue to go on. So if you want to follow VidCon on Twitter, you can find out about them. They're free. Uh, so thanks to everybody who has joined us specifically for our VidCon Now performance of Dear Hank and John. I can hear them wooing at home. <laughs> I can't actually, but I can imagine them wooing at home. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. We we are really grateful and grateful to everybody at, at VidCon for putting this together. Yeah. And and we have questions direct from our VidCon now live stream listeners. This question comes from wholesome SWM, who says, Any life <laughs> advice for a recent college graduate? Oh, has there ever been a better time to be a recent college <laughs> graduate? <laughs> Well, yes. what? So, what's your degree in? <laughs> I have I, the the true answer to this is that I don't have any advice, and I have no idea what is happening, and mm-hmm. I have no idea yes. w- how to make things better. And I feel like there aren't enough adults saying that they have no idea. So maybe that can be my role, right? <laughs> I have <Yeah>. no idea. <laughs> Everybody's got some real strong advice. Everybody who doesn't have to deal with this particular problem, and yeah, which is everyone, because no one's ever dealt with the situation as it stands right now no one who's under the age of 104 yeah um actually yeah. a friend of mine's grandma is was born right at the beginning of this spanish flu and and remembers in her toddlerhood a lot of like fear continuing about that and and having to sort of think about it great when she was a little little kid yeah so hopefully it will be uh, not a thing 6 years from now but who knows? I will say that it, it's not a take ter- like you. Really harshing on my uh, Liverpool buzz right now, man. It's not. It's maybe not a terrible idea to look at um, both, of course, options for getting into into the workforce, but also options for continuing your education in one way or another, deepening your skill set in your current chosen field, or adding some other something. Of course, in a way that probably will not involve as much traditional schooling. But hopefully, will be less expensive, um, just so you can have something to put on your resume during that period of time. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I also just I don't know. In, but in I also don't I, know. I will agree that I don't know. <laughs> For a easier question, John, and one that but that may annoy you more, this is from M, who mm-hmm. asks if you put mm-hmm. milk in a bowl of croutons, does that make dinner cereal? First of all, cereal can be dinner cereal. Yeah, I have dinner cereal all the time. Yeah, that's that's as you know, Hank. That's one of my pet peeves. We we can't we, we can't say that some foods are only for one no. meal. It it's it's the weirdest it's not the weirdest thing humans do because <laughs> we do a lot of weird things, yeah. but it is among the weirder things that humans do. It's weird enough that I hope that someone's studying it. That I hope that like we can we can investigate this aspect of humanity and be like, we have learned a thing about humans. Right. About our like tendency to categorize. But man, eggs for dinner is great. Well, so-called breakfast for dinner is my favorite dinner. And I also like it so much more than I like so-called breakfast for breakfast. Uh Like in the morning, I don't want to eat like eggs and a (laughs) muffin and bacon. Yeah. But in the evening, I very much do. Yeah. To the question, however, if you put milk in croutons... Mm-hmm. What you've done is you've ruined both milk and croutons. John, you once had a, a yeah. summer job where you made croutons and you were talking to me once about like you making croutons. I did. And I was like... People make those? It did. It never even occurred to me. Oh, I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and make croutons every day. I, there were two things that I got really good at making. And, and even now, 20 years later, there's still only two things that I can cook. <laughs> and I learned how to cook both of them at Outtakes Restaurant in Alabama in 1996. I can make a mean crouton and i can cut up those like red potatoes that are that are mm-hmm. uh, like smaller than your fist new potatoes they were called when i was a child i can <laughs> cut up those and uh and bake them and they they will taste delicious anything else is Hopeless. I'm only a prep cook. Like it, it, I'm. A, I'm not. A, my, my my wife always jokes that while I'm very helpful in the kitchen, I'm not a, allowed near heat. Yeah. Well, I, heat is required to make croutons, at least. But but I yeah, think that I we have that, to. But like I, yeah. yeah. What we have to remember is that croutons are like really oily. Like you put a lot of oil in them, and you don't want to yeah, like see I that mean, coming out into the milk. No. They're not just like dry bread. No, you don't really want to know why croutons are so delicious. <laughs> <Mike>. <laughs> I They're uh, delicious for the same reason every other food that's yeah. delicious is delicious. Yeah, you go to the restaurant and you're like, why is this so much better than what I cook at home? And it's like, well, probably the half a stick of butter. Yeah. I just, I'm very curious how much meat needs to be in a cereal before it's, grip it and rip it, John! Sorry, that was a McElroy reference. Uh, That was weird. How much? Drinking a diet Dr. Pepper (laughs) like a normal person. You had to make it weird. How much meat needs to be in a cereal before it's not cereal anymore? Before it becomes soup, yeah. Oh, mm, I would say. Any? Yeah, if I just like put a cold cut in there, <laughs> right, like they, they make all kinds of different cereals. They make like you know they made Sour Patch Kids cereal. You know they make yeah. They, you've got every kind of cereal, but one thing you never see is a meat meat based cereal. Nobody ever is like yeah, ha- hamburger cereal, corn dog cereal, or like beef jerky. <laughs> but when you put it in milk, it gets, <laughs> it gets it gets real good. I'm getting I'm getting nauseated just okay, thinking about it. Actually, I really I really would like to move on if we can. We've got a question from, I think from Katri who writes, what are some tips y'all have for when you lose motivation to create things? This summer has been hard on me and has got me in a deep creative block. Well, first, th- this summer is mm-hmm. a- hopefully anomalous in human history, <laughs> Like, I think it's been hard for a lot of people to create things this mm-hmm. summer. Yeah, and I'm not sure that my old tips and tricks work <laughs> in the face of uh, of, of a challenge mm-hmm. this immense and multifaceted. I can. So I just want to say that at the outset. Yeah, I can. I I think that it's important on on the question of motivation to to go deeper than my own personal experience in terms of, like, what actually motivates me. One, because, like, I have a very unique set of motivations after 15 years of creating professionally or semi-professionally. But, like, the, the thing that I think is really important is to be mindful of the things that help you make stuff and mindful of the things that that block you from making stuff. And that's going to be different for every person, but as long as like in when you're in a moment and you're feeling inspired, look at where that inspiration came from so that you can try and track it down again. So, I think that's really interesting. It's different from my experience of making things. For me, the inspiration almost always comes after the The process begins. Yeah. The disciplined sitting down and opening up Mm -hmm. the document and and forcing myself to do that every day and 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 stating a time for when I'm going to do it and keeping to that time. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for me to do all manner of internet-y things until I open up the document, or like all manner of distractions until I open up the document. And then for me, once the document is open, even if it's Blank. I'm like, okay, that should work, and <laughs> and I I almost never experience that joy of making something, that feeling of things clicking together, the joy of telling a story, until I've been like, I have to get past this place of of boredom or frustration or or blockedness in order to feel that feeling. Mm -hmm. But now, because I've felt that feeling so many times over the last 20 years, I kind of know that. I remember when I was starting out, I would often quit after like 30 minutes of staring at a blank page or whatever and just be like, well, I suck Mm -hmm. and get really mad at myself. And, And now, I mean, I still have some pretty devastatingly negative self-talk at times but now <laughs> i know that on the other side of that does potentially at least lie some fun yeah yeah i totally hear that and i, I mean i think that that's that's a, a kind of mindfulness about where your you know your your creative process finds fuel. I I find that all of the important work gets done while my fingers are on the keyboard, not while I'm sort of like waiting for a good idea to arrive. So many so like an exponentially larger number of good ideas arrive while I'm typing. Yes. I'm not saying I never get any while I'm in the shower or driving somewhere or just yeah, but like that's when the real work gets done. Those ideas can be really high quality. And there's not like something unique and special about the ideas that like just sort of lightning bolt strike me that like, it's more interesting that they like come out of nowhere, but they aren't better than the ideas I have while I'm writing. No, sometimes my lightning strike ideas are so bad. Actually, yeah, they seem good. They but they, <laughs> but they seem good because they arrived like a lightning strike, and uh-huh. also I think because I've been conditioned by the social order yeah. that that the best ideas like come while you're dreaming or come while you're like on a train staring out the rainy window or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when I have an idea when I'm dreaming or I have an idea when I'm on a train staring out a, uh, out a rainy window, I always think like this is it. <laughs> I did it. I solved. I solved the biggest problem. I came up with the best idea of all time. And then I'll sit down to write it. Mm -hmm. The dreamscape, I don't understand it well, but it doesn't, for me at least, like necessarily deliver the best ideas. We have another question. And I want to ask this, Hank, just because I'm very curious Mm -hmm. about your answer. It's from Kathy who asks, Dear John and Hank, what was your favorite thing you've learned about yourself or each other while staying home During the last 106 days, not that anybody's (laughs) gone. This has been one of the least mindful times of my life. (laughs) So like like the idea that I had extra time to learn about myself while trying to run a business in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, like having extra child care duties and having extra, you know, various extra stressors, um, I... I figured out that I can I can survive on less sleep. Yeah, uh, that is a thing I learned. Right. I don't like it. It's not been good. Yeah, I think all the lessons that I'm going to learn from this time in my life, I'm going to have to learn in retrospect a, a little bit from now. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see. Well, I really can't wait to see how we all look back on this. Mostly mm-hmm. because that will mean that it's over. <laughs> and <laughs> that's it. Yep. That'll be an. Advantage. And you know, I, I I think when this first started, the way that I was thinking about about it was that when this ends I'll you know kind of have a have a download about about what it all meant and what I learned about myself and my family and and, mm-hmm. and 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 in some ways maybe there would be some things that I would be really grateful for like like the time that you know all the time that we had together and god knows we've had a lot of time the four of us mm-hmm. but but now in the middle of it you know all, all honestly all I can think about is uh, making sure that the that the kids are taken care of, uh, that that we you know are are present for them, and then you know doing the chores, the the laundry, the dishes, ma- making the food, like just just doing the things of life. I mean, this is uh, and and I am conscious of the fact and that that it it has been. Really, really easy for us um, compared to to what it's been like for a lot of people. But you know, the challenges of of basically homeschooling the kids uh, have been real, and then um, yeah, so it it has been challenging. And i I have tried through uh, the podcast I have with WNYC, The Anthropocene Reviewed, to mm-hmm. think something about what it means, I guess. But I will say that I have learned something about Hank. Oh yeah, uh, what did you during, learn about me <laughs> during this period? Just because of the way we are, I have always been cast, I think, somewhat in our relationship as the anxious brother. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. or I guess I've cast myself as the less competent one because Mm -hmm. you are so wildly competent. Like you, you know, you always have bandwidth to do everything. Mm -hmm. And I've always. I you know we we make a very strong point of not being of not being jealous of each other and and I and I try really hard not to be and but I have always admired that a lot about you mm-hmm. and I've often felt like Hank's capacity to continue working at a higher and higher level all the time <laughs> has no limit and 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 that is beautiful and also like I am I am jealous of it But it turns out it does have a limit. (laughs) It does have a limit, and I have seen the limit. Yeah, I have seen. This is the first time in our lives together when I have seen Hank hit the wall. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Like, and I maybe I shouldn't apologize. Don't, don't, do not apologize for hitting the wall, Hank. It's it. All it did was make you seem human. (laughs) Which is kind of nice. I am human. Uh, Skylar has a question for us, John. Skylar asks, I want a Nerdfighteria-related grad cap, but I'm not sure what to put on it. Oh. I, I just graduated, but my ceremony is postponed. Any dubious advice would be appreciated. DFTBA. There are so many options. We've given you too many options. Yeah, I mean, from from you can go back to two thousand and seven with a puppy sized elephant sort of mm-hmm. look, or you mm-hmm. can have. I, I'm a big fan of the hankler fish, yep. which is an angler fish that Hank has sort of personified into a into a face with a face. Yeah, DFTBA. Yeah, got it right there. The nice thing about DFTBA is that people who get it will get it and people who don't get it will ask about it so it's a conversation starter mm-hmm. and it's not like it comes out and you're like what's that and then you tell them and it, it's not like gross it's like oh that's nice you know? or you can always always go with uh, pizza john the picture of me <laughs> with a mustache <laughs> yeah i have a, a funny pizza john thing has been happening to me recently <laughs> which is that uh henry oh no what's wrong Manchester City just scored. Oh no! I can't believe you're paying attention to that right now. Well, I mean, Hank, it's. <laughs> I just to reiterate, it's been thirty years. <laughs> so, uh, one of Henry's best friends uh, has a favorite shirt, and that favorite shirt is a Pizza John shirt. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's, wow <laughs> oh it's so funny uh that is Henry's like please please yeah so I don't know you get to you, 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 at some point you start embarrassing your kids and I'm there yeah I might suggest Skylar a Pelican which is uh apparently I'm now really into this is my new thing <laughs> Oh yeah, you're 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 TikTok's leading Pelican authority. Yeah, I'm the head of uh, the Pelican side of TikTok. That's yeah, and congratulations on that. That's a really wonderful achievement. Thank you. And if I can't tell if you're being honest because you're staring at the TV too much. I'm first off, I'm not staring at the TV. Okay, <laughs> I'm occasionally glancing at the TV. Let's <laughs> let's let's call it what it is, which is glancing, <laughs> not staring. All right. Uh, many times I'm glancing off just into into the infinite space because I don't like looking at you when we make the podcast because this is not how we usually make the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's very upsetting. It's weird to me that you have a face when we do this. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I this is a great question from Hannah. Dear John and Hank, what do you want your new solo podcast to that, be about? <laughs> that question is not from Hannah. Oh right. Hannah's the person who put it in the chat. Oh sorry, it's from M. I, I'm not I'm not doing a great job reading, but not because I'm paying attention to anything else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, John, uh, well, you've got your own solo podcast right now, The Anthropocene Reviewed. I do. Um, I'm, <gasps> oh my gosh, he's, what happened? They hit the post. Okay. Everything worked out better than expected. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's a soccer related pod. I've always, I have. I feel like you do a good interview podcast. I would love to listen. I to don't it. want to do an interview podcast. Okay. Here's here's why I don't want to do an interview podcast, Hank. Because every I do not think the world is yeah. is suffering from a paucity of them. Uh, I yeah. I would be interested to do a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. I'm interested in talking about sports, but like not the way that sports center. Or the endless stream of sports radio talks about sports, but instead more of like, Mm -hmm. what are we really thinking about when we're thinking about sports? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Hank? I deeply, deeply do not want another thing to do. (laughs) So I think that my solo podcast, I've actually thought of, I've, I've had two ideas for solo podcasts. One is Silence, which is a podcast that just broadcasts silence and you just sign up Mm. and then you listen to nothing, Mm. which is something that we probably (laughs) could do more of. Yeah. And the other is, well, I I guess this wouldn't be a solo podcast, really, but um, reading uh, public domain literature and potentially discussing it as well. So, like, going through Jane Austen and, like, right doing, doing a read through, like, but actually reading it out loud so people can listen along and then talk about it after. Right. So it's like an audio, it's like an audio book, but with book discussion. Yeah. A a similar, a similar podcast idea I've had is that there's so much important audio in the public domain Mm -hmm. from throughout history. Yeah. Uh, Mostly 20th century history, of course, but not not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it would be a cool podcast to make a uh, a podcast that is those sounds, and then after listening to them, right, a, a discussion of them and and a contextualizing discussion of them. Yeah, because I, I there's just there's a lot that we're missing from 20th century history because of our kind of relentless focus on right now on the present. Yeah. I think that'd be a great idea. I, I think the main thing that you want to do is to not have that be a podcast that's just John. Um Oh, and, no, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't want to uh to ha- be involved in it. I th- no, I <laughs> I I think it would have to be uh a, a historian like somebody like Daniel Bainbridge or right, right. um or somebody who who knows history um as more than like an enthusiastic amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is um, which is my my thing. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of making stuff, because this is our VidCon now, Dear Hank and John, yeah. uh, Miriam asks, I uh, more of a question about content creation. I love how much you two are yourselves in your videos. So many creators hyper-focus on do's and don'ts, and I often get criticized for not being niche enough, not using keywords enough, et cetera. How do I grow my channel while being myself and making content I enjoy? Time machine. I don't think that's the only way. Yeah. But that is certainly whenever we get credit for something that we did or do on YouTube, Mm -hmm. the answer is not that we are good. It's that we started in 2007. Yeah. And like if you look at our social media strategy, or especially our YouTube strategy, it is deeply designed. N- to not grow, at least at the current right. moment. Like, and in the yeah. last like year, there have been moments when we've been interested in reaching new people. But um, I think it is clear if you go to the vlog with this YouTube channel that like that's not the that's not the goal right now. I mean, certainly in the last couple months, it's been pretty aggressive <laughs> in its <laughs> desire to do something other than grow. Um, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's not a specific reference to anything. But I, yeah, I, I think that. Hank and I don't know how to make a successful YouTube channel in 2020. No, no. But I I do think it's possible. I think Mm -hmm. there are people doing it. I think that they are aware both of what audiences like and what the algorithm likes, Mm -hmm. which YouTube would like to imagine is the same thing. But (laughs) we all know deep down it isn't the same thing. Yep. And so those are videos of a certain length, usually like eight to 15 minutes and their videos, uh, they tend to be mm-hmm. have a lot of visual change in them. But look, the truth is, like Hank and I don't know, but also I don't think anyone knows, like yeah. what is going to emerge as a popular format on YouTube in the next six months or five years. Yeah. We just don't know. And, and the reason Hank and I have been able to do the, the things that we've been able to do is that we have a very loyal core audience that we are extremely grateful for mm-hmm. and that it is in our jobs. And so w- because it is in our jobs, we don't have to, I mean, this is the great, I mean, this is, yeah, it's just a really lucky thing in our lives that, that mm-hmm. because Vlogbrothers ad revenue doesn't go to us it, we don't need it to do well, so we don't have to orient our content around trying to grow. Or like we did that, there was a period of time when yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah. our goal and yeah. we sort of like moved through it. And we, it's very difficult to have a YouTube channel that continues to grow forever, like, or impossible, obviously it's impossible. A, well, it's, de- it's definitely impossible. <laughs> uh, and so like at a certain point, you you see that your, your viewership starts to go down and like there's kind of three responses to that. Like you fix it and you start to grow again you try to fix it and you fail and you feel bad or you are like, well, maybe like the thing I'm doing just isn't going to keep reaching more people forever. Right. And I'm going to keep doing it because I like doing it and it's not about like, I have, like, try and move beyond the the part where it's about having the audience always get bigger. Now, of course, but that's, like, after that period of, of initial growth. And I think that we were pretty strategic and careful back in, like, 2007 to 2010. Sure. And, yes. And beyond that, even, yeah. to try and make some fairly viral content. And the way that we did that was we looked at the stuff that was working on the platform. We put our own twist on it. We, you know, thought about like how people make decisions and how algorithms make decisions about what content they're going to watch and what content they're going to serve. And we, we thought about that stuff. We just don't, we don't so much anymore. Right. Which, I think a lot of times people say like, like nice things about us that like we don't make content for the algorithm, but like the reason we don't make content for the algorithm is because for a long time we did make content for the algorithm, yeah. which allowed us into this position. Like we're not like yeah, it's, it's not like we're above it yeah at no. all. No, and and I and like I actually am really impressed by people who figure out. Sort of the next, the next thing that that might be happening. Yeah, because human choice changes and the algorithm changes. Like a lot of times, people are like, right. the algorithms changed so much, my content isn't as successful anymore. And I'm like, well, but like people got less interested in certain kinds of content too. Like people change and they want. Yeah, stuff. I mean, there's no there's no version of this on on YouTube, right? Like, because w- it's all still new. Like the number. Mm-hmm of people who've been doing YouTube for 15 years is none <laughs> but the number of people who've been doing YouTube for 13 years is like a few hundred yeah and and so this is all still new and it's all still like we're all still figuring it out t- together but if if you think about and I know this is not a perfect comparison but somebody pointed out to me a while ago that if you think about it in terms of TV shows, like the number of TV shows that have been on TV for like 13 years and are still making new episodes is is almost none. Yeah, it's yeah. like The Simpsons and Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. And so you know, like nobody says like, "Oh, Seinfeld, what a failure!" <laughs> you know, like people only watched it for four years. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we've got to figure out together how we're gonna how we're gonna think about YouTube as. We get older and it gets older. Yeah, absolutely. This question comes from Alice who asks, for legal reasons, Hmm. my housemates and I need to switch bedrooms. Wow. This is providing to be a huge logistical nightmare. How do you move three bedrooms into two bedrooms Hmm. across two floors in the height of a very humid summer? Alice. Oof! Uh, wait, do you have to fit? Do you have to fit three bedrooms into two bedrooms, or just like temporarily while you're like emptying one out so that you can put stuff into? I'm not the, sure. Th- I'm not sure. Here's either. here's what you do though. The only fair thing is you draw lots. This is an old strategy, and you go with the you know short stick, long stick, whatever your strategy of randomization is. Now you can use a random number generator. You can draw numbers out of a hat. You just do it that way and you make it work. Uh, One of the great things about how we're doing this right now is Alice actually responded and they have to reduce the number of rooms because one room is legally too small to be a bedroom, which, yes, does occur. This does occur. Mm. Yeah, so you're going to have to play some high stakes drawing of lots. And I really wouldn't do it in any, like, weirder, more interesting, more skill-based version of this. No, 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 no. I wouldn't try to make it complicated at all. I'd be like, this is it. We are... And, and, like, we are assigning value to this one interaction. This Rochambeau is for all of the marbles, and we're But about- don't make it that, because even that is a— li- Like, even, even Rock, Paper, Scissors is a little bit a game of skill. You're right. You're right. You really do have to make it something totally random. It's got to be completely random. Yeah. Jules has a question, Hank. hmm Jules asks, Dear John and Hank, what was your favorite moment that you've had at VidCon ever? Oh gosh, I mean that's kind of easy weirdly enough. It's easy for me too. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's the same one. I bet it is. The the Gregory Brothers bringing Yosemite Bear out on stage to do Double Rainbow. I think it the was I, I don't know, it was one of the first two Vidcons. It I mean, was the second, I think. Yeah. You know, everybody had, it was one of these like viral videos that had recently gone really viral. And everybody had seen it a bunch of times and that the hook of that song is so hooky and having you know, somebody Bear there and everybody in the room knowing exactly what we're like every word to the thing. And, and then just like going on and on with it, like like drawing the song out so that we could all sing together. And like, I think at one point they like stop playing music and we all just sang and singing together with a bunch of people in a room who all sort of like love something together is is one of the most special things that you can do and I will never let go of that memory and we recently lost Yosemite Bear and is very sad but just try to trying to think of like you know the joy that so much joy that he brought into people's lives and and that that joy came from just a place of admiring a natural thing that exists and that that is a thing that every, like people all over the world now, whenever you see a double rainbow, like we share that joy with him. yeah, And like that really like that song and that experience that he had is about joy. And that experience that I had with him and the Gregories and the rest of the people at VidCon was also really just was all about joy. That is also my favorite VidCon memory. And it wasn't just joy, right? Like, it was also this earnestness. Yeah. this, This ability to be deeply moved by a double rainbow, brought to tears by it, to feel like an absolute unironized emotion around this beautiful phenomenon that then the Gregory Brothers turned into a song that is itself, like, in some ways a version of that that mm-hmm. like somehow without being like overly earnest or without being cheesy or saccharine or sentimental somehow still captures the true emotional experience of that original mm-hmm. Yeah. seeing of the double rainbow. And so I singing that song with all those people, I mean, when I like, when I'm, this is silly, but like when I'm running and I'm really tired and I feel like, oh God, I can't finish it. I can't do six miles today. Mm-hmm. There's th- two or three memories that I will turn to, to like push me, to like get me to go. And one of them is singing double rainbow all the way across the sky yeah. with those, with all those people. It, because it just, that's how good it felt. Yeah. Which reminds me John that this podcast is brought to you by Double Rainbows. Double no. Rainbows. It's two of them in the sky and they just they're there to make you happy. That's why they're there. And today's and today's podcast is also brought to you by Seinfeld's Failure. Seinfeld's Failure. It was only 4 seasons. I mean, who even That's what, not. What a disaster. You know, what a disaster indeed. And this podcast is also brought to you by Beef Jerkios. You put oh, them in milk. Oh God, no. You put them in milk and they're better. I don't know how no. they are. No. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name-brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. <laughs> Yo, why'd you have to give them a name? <laughs> Before we get to the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, do you want to wonder... do? The... Wait, we could just not do the news because I don't, I don't have any. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay, all right. I do have a bit of news. Oh yeah, Chelsea have scored, uh, meaning that Manchester City now have to score two goals in thirteen minutes, or Liverpool are champions wee, of wee, England. Wee, 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 wee. I may cry. Wee, 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 wee. I, you <laughs> know, I have imagined this moment. So many times, uh, and I've imagined myself being at Union Jack Pub in Indianapolis with all of the other Indianapolis-Liverpool supporters— uh, all my friends in Indianapolis who support Liverpool and I've imagined myself uh, at <laughs> Carragher's Pub in New York City and I've imagined myself in mm-hmm. Liverpool watching watching the game at Anfield and I, I've imagined myself. I never imagined that I would be in a basement Rec- alone <laughs> recording a weird remote podcast for an audience <laughs> using a tool that I had not heard of two years ago called Zoom. Yeah, this was, This was not quite how I imagined it. Uh, but I am not going to let that in any way affect my profound enjoyment of this development. It's also very weird to like, for te- I, and I guess maybe this isn't weird, but it seems very weird to me for it to happen while they're not playing. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty common though. Uh, that, that seems happens, very strange to me. It it is weird, um, and I guess that y- you could root for a more dramatic version of this, but I, I for one, have no interest <laughs> in added drama. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so this. This is like the old season has picked back up again. They, they did manage to do that. Yes. And now they're playing without fans okay. and there's extensive, uh, you know, regulations and everything. But yeah, um, yeah. so it's it's definitely it. just in general, it's a weird environment because yeah. like they're going to lift a trophy, I, I don't know, in a in a stadium that has no people in it. Maybe I, who knows, <sighs> but like, but I'm going to, frankly, I'm going to have hopefully 30 more years to enjoy this. Right. There you uh, and go. And I... So I intend to like spread out my enjoyment, not just over the next uh, now 11 minutes, but over the next, uh, <laughs> you know, several decades. Yeah. All right, John, this next question comes from Sarah, nine 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 nine. <laughs> I recently <laughs> taken to ice cream making as a hobby. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I basically run out of f- common flavor combinations. Any suggestions? Ice cream was a luxury in the Victorian era. It still is, Sarah. Still a luxury. I mean, when I get ice cream, when we get ice cream at the house, I get very excited. yeah, it's not it's not common, no. and it's, i I don't I, actually ever eat it at home. I kind of like make a point to only eat ice cream when I'm out. like there's something special oh, okay. that feels so. To me. I went to a cooking school once, oh. It was weird. I am shocked. You made croutons and those those red <laughs> potatoes about the size of your fist. <laughs> no, uh, I went, but I did go to a cooking school and we did make lots of delicious food. And one of the things that we made was ice cream that was basil flavored. Oh. And yeah? that was something I didn't think was going to work. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that there's a lot of sort of like not so sweet ice cream yeah, flavors. Yeah, totally. That I dig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my, one of the ice cream shop down the street from me uh has occasionally an Irish whiskey ice cream that I am oh. extremely fond of. Ooh. It's, you know, it's like a complicated vanilla basically. Yeah. And I don't know how they do it or anything, but I love it. And maybe the, like I think maybe there's a catalog of flavors. So not like, you know, you blend up the basil yourself, but like you just like go and you buy like vials full of lemon basil or whatever. And you can just try stuff out. Yeah, although in this case, we did blend up the basil ourselves and it was delicious. That sounds very good. I like that idea. Uh, Or you could just put I mean, can you just put whiskey in it? I don't know if you can, because it's got a bunch of water. I think it depends on how old you are. (laughs) That's 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 a good point. That's my honest answer. (laughs) Yeah. When I was Uh, in college, I used to put vodka in Frosties from Wendy's, and that was like my favorite. That was my favorite drink. There's something about the way that young people consume alcohol I I find so horrifying. I know. Though I really do still like... When I was in high school, I drank Zima. Uh, Zima Mm -hmm. Zima You drank You drank Strawberry Hill Flavored citrus wine Uh, uh, Strawberry Hill ice cream uh, Would be amazing And that is our Ah, Ultimate suggestion Strawberry Hill Strawberry Hill ice cream Yes We cannot wait To find out how delicious it is Please keep us up to date Thank you so much uh, For joining us And a huge thanks again To everybody at VidCon Behind the scenes Especially Hannah and Duncan For helping us out Making everything work Yeah absolutely John how many minutes Are left in your football game six and so I'm gonna go enjoy um I'm gonna go call some <laughs> of my Liverpool supporting friends and we're gonna enjoy nice. this moment together that sounds great and and can you record a uh an update to put in the end of the podcast I will record an update okay uh, but thank you all for joining me for this strangely important hour of my life <laughs> <laughs> thanks for making a podcast with me John thank you this podcast is edited by Joseph tuna it's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson our community communications coordinator is Julia Bloom and the music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast by the great Gunnarola, And as they say in our hometown, don't don't forget forget to be be awesome. Awesome. Hi, it's John here with an update. Uh, And the update is that Liverpool won the league. And our champions of England, and I cried a lot. Um, you know, I thought of the decades uh, of my life that 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 have occurred in the interim between those two days. Um, I thought of my friends who support Liverpool who aren't here. I thought of all the the great players we've we've had over over the years, the the friendships that Liverpool has brought me the great conversations uh, I've, I've had w- with friends where, you know, f- football is the text, but the subtext is, is more important, like it is for anybody, you know, who, who loves something. You know, a, a lot of times it isn't so much the thing as it is having your love oriented in, in the same direction as, as other people you care about. So it's a magical day. Uh, obviously, this is a strange way to end a 30-year title drought, um, but but it's a really special day for me, and I know a really special day for a lot of other Liverpool fans. So uh, thank you for letting, uh, letting me make part of the podcast about this moment, um, and in general for indulging my sports fandom on this podcast over the years. And a uh, big thanks to everybody at Liverpool Football Club. Oh, oh my God. It's just, yeah, I, uh, it's just amazing. And I'm uh, thinking about that great uh, Liverpool song that's sung before and after every game. Uh, they sing, though your dreams be tossed and blown, walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. And whether you're a Liverpool fan or not, you you never will walk alone. So congrats to Liverpool. I'm going to go drink some champagne now.